Welcome to C-Suite Radio. Welcome to Mitchell Levy Presents AHA Moments. Mitchell is a thought leader, entrepreneur, and TEDx speaker who helps you think big and lead an authentic life. Each week, Mitchell gives leaders the inspiration they need to make a greater impact and share their genius with the world. Now, here's Mitchell Levy. Hi, Mitchell Levy, global credibility expert, and I have a podcast called Mitchell Levy Presents AHA Moments, where we pull the best of the content we're created, and we share that once a week. This is episode 39, and we pulled content from Thought Leader Life, where I was doing a series of shows with Brett Laddett. This particular one is a John Jance, the scotch tape guy. Hope I got that right. No, no, the duct tape guy. And uh, anyhow, he is just so spectacular. He talks about customer experience. Uh, There's so many things you could talk about. But anyhow, it's Brett Labbitt, John Jantz, myself, talking about customer experience. Absolutely love it. Uh, hope you like what you hear. Share with your friends. Subscribe to our channel. Thanks. Bye now. Hi, this is Mitchell Levy, the AHA guy at AHA That. And welcome to the 132nd episode of Thought Leader Life. Uh, it's great to have you here. It's great to have this month's worth of conversation because it is so relevant to me and what I'm doing. And and subsequently, when I think about my co-host and the guests that we're bringing on, it is not just relevant to me and my business. It's relevant to you and your business. It's relevant to everything that we're doing. Uh, so I have Brett Labatt, the Chief Empowerment Officer of Wevo Global who is my co-host for the month. And Brett, thanks for, uh, thanks for joining me and, and bringing in such a cool topic. Hi, Mitchell. It's great to be on the show again and, and always good to hear from you and see you. So glad to be here. Thank you so much. And today we've got John Jantz. I think I got that pants. Jantz remo- re- sounds like pants. John Jantz. How'd I do? Okay. So there you go. You're probably not, probably not the only one who's ever messed up your name. Um, <laughs> From the president of Duct Tape Marketing, I have followed John for quite some time. I I love what the company does. It is really out there. They have a lot of advocates in the marketplace. They do good work, and I'm just honored to have you as part of the show. John, thanks for joining us. It's my pleasure. So let me let me just start a simple question. What, what we're doing this month is we're talking about, and, and this particular episode is teachability or learnability or the what I look at or think about is the ability to morph into something else tomorrow that you're not today. Um, do you want to give some, does that resonate at all with you? What do you think about that? Yeah, that's, you know, there's a couple um, fronts that I think we could talk about that, but I have, I've been talking about that for, you know, 20 years. I mean, I started my, my marketing consulting practice 28 years ago. I mean, we didn't have the internet, <laughs> Talk about morphing, uh, you know, let alone all of this technology and all these platforms and all these channels now. So in order to survive, uh, certainly, let alone thrive, um, we, you have to morph. You have to grow. You have to get outside your comfort zone frequently uh, in order to to really stay, in some cases, one step ahead of your clients. Because that's, you know, as a consultant, you know, a lot of times that's all they're asking me to do. But I think as business owners of any kind of business, I think we have to understand that that not only do we have to morph, but we have to help our clients and customers 
change and evolve and grow as well. Uh, because, you know, quite frankly, um, you know, our, our value <laughs> that we bring to them is helping them understand the changes and what those changes mean, understanding that they need to teach their customers uh, about the changes and they need to understand that how the journey has changed for, you know, the people that are buying their products and services. And so I, I think you could probably bring it all back to the fact that, that that's really being in business is all about is, is learning how to evolve, you know, one step ahead of your customers. Wow. We're three minutes into this and I'm like, holy cow, I can't wait for more. Um, <laughs> I'm just trying to think about tweetable moments, you know, so yeah, keep, <laughs> get those, get those 140 character sound bites out. Well, I, I, what I was thinking about, and then, and then Brett, you could ask your next question is sort of the, the aha moment to me is to absolutely think about no matter what business you're in is how do you help your customers be a better either company or person or individual? How do you help your customers be a better representation of themselves tomorrow? And I, I, that was something that I heard you say in a different way. And I, I thought that was pretty cool. Well, I, I think it really, it all boils down to that. I mean, you can, you can deliver like incredible innovative value that's like so over the top, you know, or you can just make somebody's day a little better and you're still delivering value. And I, I think that's, I think that's what we have to focus on. You know, we get really uh, caught up. A lot of business owners today get caught up in, you know, what are my Twitter followers and how much is going on on, you know, on Facebook for me. And I really think the the metric that we need to wrap our entire business around is, is, what does the value that I'm delivering look like to my clients? Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, hi, John. It's good to see you again, and thanks for being on the show. Absolutely. Yeah, I guess my question is, and Mitchell and I have been talking about this, is there there comes a moment. Uh, years ago, like you were talking about, you've been working on this now for 20-plus years, but years ago, uh, technology evolution was fairly slow. Yeah. Now it's moving at the speed of thought. So – how does an individual stay? What triggers keep an individual, a small business, medium-sized company, in that teachable space so that they're measuring results and then pivoting quickly to be relevant today? Well, I'm probably going to sound like a broken record, but to me, it, it, where, where we lose touch is not that we lose touch of the technology. It's we lose touch in how to bring value to our clients. So, you know, when all this new technology came along, people would ask me, you know, what do I do with Twitter? You know, how do I use it? Should I use it? And I, I, and to me, it always comes back. Any new platform, any new technology that comes along, if you can ask yourself, how could this help me do a better job of serving my customers? You, you will find a relevant use of that technology. And so, I don't, I don't think that fundamentally anything's changed <laughs> except for, you know, like we talked about the technology and the platforms. But I think if, if you focus on the customer, if you obsess over the customer and you just take a, a point of view of continuous optimization of that relationship, all the other stuff is just, you know, wires and plugs and things that, that, that we have to make work in the technology world we're in today. Well, could you, let me just add just a quick question. I think what I see when I went to B school way back when I read all these books about how cool uh, business was and how important customer service was. And then I entered the corporate world mm-hmm. and corporations, as far as I could tell, and still mostly today don't really care about their customers. 
They care about the bottom line and they say they care about the customers, but the processes and the practices and processes in place don't care. And what you're saying is ignore the technology. Make sure you make your customers happy, which is, by the way, the right answer. Um, what's the disconnect? And it's not as simple as ignore the technology because the technology actually can make your customer's life better, too, when used correctly. So it's it's not a matter of ignore it. It's more a matter of don't obsess over it, obsess over you know, the customer and what they need. And, and quite frankly, what's really made this so important today is 15, 20 years ago, the corporation was in charge of the customer journey. Here's your information. Here's where you buy. Here's what it costs. And today that's flipped around completely. The, the prospect or the customer is totally in charge of the journey. They have all the information already. They can go get the answers. They can plug into a network and find a better way to do what it is that you're selling. And so if we're not, uh, if we're not going out to them, <laughs> you know, constantly and saying, what do you need? How do we do that? How could we change this? Then you're going to lose them early on in the journey and you'll never know uh, their need existed. Wow. So, so I hear you saying a couple things and uh, Mitchell, I'm sure you would agree with me there that we've got about 10 Twitter uh, <laughs> moments out of the last two minutes. John, but, John's, uh, John's hitting the, John's hit, hitting the money button. Okay. I love it. Um, so John, is, is this accurate in saying we've moved from a push society to a pull society? And part of the teachable moment for us as businesses is just to be aware of how, where, and what our customers are pulling and how we can be there to, um, ask the right questions and, and, and really create the happiness moments for them. I even like, I, I've changed and consulted a lot of companies to, migrate from customer service to customer happiness. That's a better goal. Yeah. And I, I, I think today, you know, instead of creating demand, I mean, I think our job as marketers and companies is to organize behavior. And, and what that means is that, that there is behavior that I think people want to participate in uh, with the companies that they do business with. Uh, they want to have, you know, obviously awareness has to be there. Trust has to be there. They, they want to have a great buying experience. After the, after the buying experience, they want that experience to stay high. So to me, uh, what we have to do, you know, as marketers is really, uh, you know, I wouldn't even call it push and pull, it's guide. Uh, because I, I think that's probably our role as marketers today. Excellent. I've got another question along with that. You know, years ago and still still going today, we had clubs. We had Elks, Rotary, yeah. uh, still great clubs, right? And so our network and kind of our riches in our network were found in those smaller groups. Um, now that we have all of these platforms, how do we coordinate and organize our network uh, to continue to add value to them um, and, and stay relevant? How do we coordinate and organize all of this information? Well, I think, I, I think on one hand, you know, a lot of people look at it, it's all distributed now is, is a big challenge. I, I think there's a lot of really positive things about the online community world. Uh, obviously, you know, the Elks and the Rotaries were really organized around geography as much as anything else. And I think today what we have are these intentional communities online that can be organized around shared ideals, completely shared ideals, uh, very niche, you know, ideals. Um, and I think that that is an amazing, wonderful thing. And I think that you're starting to see more and more, even some of these large platforms like LinkedIn and Facebook, uh, I think you're starting to see more and more that, that kind of the days of 
hey, whoever follows me, follows me, and that's who I talk to, uh, are really waning. Um, the, the most active use of Facebook today, certainly in the business world, I think, and probably uh, in the consumer world as well, is, is in uh, well-defined, narrowly defined groups. And I think that, that what, what you're seeing is sort of a, a you know, morphing from the, oh, look at all the things, all the places we can <laughs> network to, hey, where can, you know, I'm stressed out. I have no time now. Where is it that I can spend my most valuable amount of time? And I, I, I know people that now are on Facebook doing nothing but participating in a handful of small kind of carefully curated, narrowly defined groups. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I've, I've witnessed that as well. How about you, Mitchell? Oh, I, I, I'm sitting here just um, absorbing and enjoying the conversation. I think the one area I'd like to get your read on, John, is there's a there's a word that I've been thinking about bantered around uh, a lot recently. It says vulnerability, and I think what what we don't see as a corporate brand, we can see individuals who act vulnerable, and of, and of course we we have a president who is not setting the example of being vulnerable. Um, does it make sense for brands, for companies to be vulnerable? Is that part of the, I mean, I love the, we're not as marketers, we're not creating demand. We're organizing the, the, the trip. That's beautiful. Um, but some of that organization is, is being vulnerable. Like, I don't know this answer, but go here. Right. Well, and, and where I see a lot of people effectively doing that, quite frankly, and, and, 25 years ago, I was going to small business owners and saying, hey, people want to hear your story, too. They want to know about you and what you believe in and what troubles you've been through to get to this point. And it was like, oh, no, I'm not. that's not professional. I'm not doing that. Well, I think one one of the things that has happened, and maybe social media opened this up a little bit, but, but now it is okay to tell your story. In fact, brands need to have stories now to connect. And I, and I think that 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 is one of the best ways to show a level of vulnerability. It doesn't have to be, oh, I don't know the answer. That that may actually be a good way to do it. But but just as much saying, hey, here's what it takes to build this thing. Uh, here's you know here's what we overcame in order to get to the point where we are. Here's what we believe in. And I think those stories allow people to connect. I think people need those stories in in order to to really be fully engaged. And I know I have four. 26 to 32 year old children. And frankly, you know, they will hardly do business with a company if they don't connect <laughs> with that company. If they don't, they don't believe in that company's mission. And if they don't think that their marketing is clever and, and unique and, and somehow useful, you know, they will, they'll go buy somewhere else. And I think that that, that part of being vulnerable is being able to, you know, share what your brand promise is and obviously create a culture that lives it. But what we see, Brett, let me just grab this. What we see, what I see today, yes, brand stories are important and storytelling is absolutely important. What I'm seeing though is carefully crafted, maybe not advertising multi-million dollar or a hundred thousand dollar campaigns, but I'm still seeing carefully crafted brand messages that are always favorable, which don't I want to see the story of somebody who tried, didn't work, and went somewhere else, and the company pushing that. I want to see those stories too. Well, and and I think you do see those stories if you you dig in, especially on more of a local. But you know, we're so 
you know, we're so jaundiced, I think, sometimes by seeing the, you know, the Geico commercials and the, you know, the Super Bowl commercials and flow, uh, you know, that's built into some, you know, kind of storyline. Um, and, and, you know, that's theater almost, I think. And, and I do think that, you know, when you get down to, you know, this little manufacturer that is making, you know, pizza pans that, you know, were made just like, you know, so because his mom made the best pizza crust. I mean, those stories um, happen, I think, at the local level and, and you know, they're, they're harder to find. Uh, you have to be uh, you, you have to go looking for them, I think. But but we probably all can relate to a handful of brands that and it may not even be their big message. I know my kids all still love Tom's, you know, the shoes um, and and. You know, they got to the point where they eventually did, you know, a lot of promotion, a lot of sponsorship and advertising and things. But but people connected to what they said that they stood for. And I think that that, you know, I think that as much as anything is what people are looking for. Well, it sounds like, and, and I'm sure you guys will agree, but there are a couple different factors in here. Uh, in the evolving digital world, we want to maintain our humanity and, and that personal uh, relationship and connection witnessed and, and love to hear your thoughts, both of your thoughts on this, but the like, know, and trust factor, it's a different strategy to build it today. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead, John. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, I, I think that it just, it, it has to be intentional. I, I've, you know, for years talked about a marketing strategy and we have to have a marketing strategy. But I think today, probably a better way to look at it is we have to have a customer strategy. <laughs> um, yeah. Customer strategy certainly is about attraction and about conversion, but it also has to then be about delight <laughs> and about, you know, referral. Um, and that all has to be intentional. Um, so, you know, you think about, you know, you, you use the word know, like, and trust. Well, you know, we do have to get people to know us still and know about us and what we do, but then we immediately have to intentionally build touch points or campaigns or processes that, that help guide them to like, and that we have to focus as much on intentionally creating touch points and content and, and, you know, very, very specific things to help build and demonstrate trust. And, and it's, it's in everything is the problem too. It's not just the ad that they see. It's, you know, how many, how many autoresponder messages do you get that say, thank you for buying from us, you know, now go away and make some more money so you can spend it with us or something. I mean, it's, you know, the, the, the human element really needs to be in every way, shape and form that people come into contact with our business. And, and that's, um, and it just takes paying attention, quite frankly, but it also takes an obsession with a customer strategy. I, there's and a I part think of you, me that's thinking, man, we should, we should consider focused on the, the intentional customer strategy as maybe that's this book or another one, but that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful statement. Yeah, I agree. And I think, John, you, you said the word delight. Um, a lot of businesses are in the short game, but today it's not, it's not just word of mouth as the best form of advertising. It's digital word of mouth. And if you're not delighting the customer, oh my gosh, uh, negatively it can impact you exponentially and positively it can impact you, uh, That's exponentially. That's right. Yeah, there are many, many a YouTube channel dedicated to how somebody let somebody down. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I heard it almost wiped out, um, well, I won't say some names, but some big, big corporations 
just from digital negative uh, word of mouth. Yeah. What about, um, John, what about social responsibility? How, how important in today's world is it, not, not as a marketing campaign, but as our, our real heart, uh, to be responsible for community, for people, for the planet, those types of things? Well, I personally believe that it's essential. I mean, it's a, it's an element of, you know, what makes doing this worth doing, <laughs> quite frankly. But does that mean every business has to have that, you know, element? Probably not, because I think it's one of those things that, that if it's done in an inauthentic manner, just because, hey, let's greenwash this or, you know, let's, let's make people believe that, that we like children <laughs> or whatever it is that, you know, might be said in a, in a boardroom somewhere. It's, it's not going to be part of the, the, the culture of the company. And in fact, it could very well hurt the company. Um, I love it when I see people that, that that's part of who they are, that that's whether it's the founder or if it's a group of people that were attracted to a company because of what they, they, demonstrated they believed in. Um, I think that's a beautiful thing, but I don't know that I would say every company should rush out and, and, you know, really up their game if that's not what they believe in. I love that. It's, it's total congruence. Be who you are and, and continue to evolve in a positive way. Yeah. I'm thinking the, the teachable moments today for companies the more and more I'm I'm thinking about and interacting with both larger corporations and small businesses, what what I what's coming to clear to me is that separation between work life balance. Remember, we always had this work life balance thing. That separation, honestly, I think it's gone because we now have in our pocket. I I've got my computer that could be turned on twenty four hours a day. It's my phone, right? I. I actually carry my iPad, you know, for those times where I need a different footprint. I carry my laptop for to- for that time where I, I really want to stretch out and do work. And so I can work all the time. I have to choose not to. And then I have to choose. And here's the thing that's really fascinating to me. I'm not a big fan anymore. I never was personally. But for people who create a Facebook page that they share with their friends and family and a Facebook page that they share with their businesses, right, it – there, there is what, what the teachable moment for smaller businesses and others is that work-life balance is kind of going away. So being, whether it's social responsibility or at least responsible for the employees of your company, because the people who are delivering customer delight are the people who work for you inside the company. And so being responsible to your customers, to your employees, to your partners, and to be able to have them, um, be them. Is what's really happening. And, and John, how do we teach that? I mean, first, do you agree? And second, how do we, what's the teachable moment here? What do we, how do we make that happen? Yeah, there's no question. There is the, the line is completely gone. You might, you think about people that, you know, how many people work from home now? I mean, it's like, how do I separate that? Right. But I think the wonderful thing that's gone on in the last decade is, I mean, people are realizing, Hey, I, I don't, have to stay in this job I hate. You know, I, I, uh, you know, I can, uh, I can make a difference. I, there's so many side hustles that people can do now and so many ways for them to start businesses, uh, that, that didn't exist, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And so what I see a tremendous amount of is people that love their work. And so at that point, is there a need to even separate <laughs> to some degree? Sometimes people ask me what my hobbies are and I said, you know, 
I like reading business books. I like talking to people about business. I like getting ideas to write about. Those are some hobbies of mine. Uh, some people might say that's, that's, that's sick, but no, I love it. I mean, I absolutely love it. And I think that that's, that's what has occurred that has really changed this sort of balance idea. I, I, I love I, it. I used to be embarrassed when somebody say, what are your hobbies? Well, <laughs> family. I like poker and. I like waking up in the morning and helping one of my clients be somebody new and do something different and be successful. And I, and it's, it's a hobby of mine. I mean, I, and I used to be, uh, even, even after a couple of years ago, I used to be kind of embarrassed. Like, Oh, that's a hobby. Uh, I, I read business books. That's, that's not really, that's hobby. Yeah. I like it. Oh. Now, I won't go as far as, you know, because people used to say, you know, find that thing you love so much you'd do if, uh, even if you didn't get paid, I won't go that far. Uh, can I ask you, I want to ask one question, given that you've been marketing for 28 years. So is there a technique you could think about that worked for the fax machine that you now um, are deploying in social or somewhere else? Who um, that worked for the fax machine? That always drove me crazy. So I mean, that's a terrible, I know exactly what you're talking about, but I, it just always floored me uh, that, that people, you know, did that. Um, so, I'm, boy, I'm really struggling with it. Oh, well, we could pick another one. I just, I guess what I was trying to think about is give me a technique that, that was really hot 28 years ago that the, that the general concept of the technique is still applied today, but now applied with different tools. Cause it's really, once again, it's about customer delight. Well, I, I would say the one that I see people use effectively is, you know, we used to go to, say, the monthly chamber meet and greet, right? And so you'd show up and you'd shake a few hands. You know, you'd, you'd hope and pray that you came away with two kind of possible <laughs> leads or relationships or, or, you know, for a vendor or for whatever it was. Um, and then – you know, you'd go home and you'd bang out that email or you'd call them up and say, hey, we should get together for coffee, right? And I think what has really um, kind of taken all the pain out of that process, but also sped it up in a lot of ways, is that now I can go onto LinkedIn and say, oh, that person knows this person. Oh, that person belongs to this group. Um, and, and all of a sudden, we've got like common ground that we can build ourselves, you know, without having to spend all that time, you know, over six months developing a relationship, it can happen very quickly. So the next time we see each other at that chamber thing, or the next time we email, we actually have something, you know, relevant to really talk about or, or to share or to network about, as opposed to that kind of long drawn out process of sort of figuring out if this is somebody I, you know, should work with, could work with. And, and, and that to me, I think is, you know, the concept is the same. Networking on value is networking on value, but it's just, we have so much access to so much better information that I think we can speed those relationships up and maybe even deepen them. I, I know that there are people that I feel like, I have very deep relationships with in, in say the online author and speaking communities. I may see them once a year or twice a year, uh, not talk to them in between. And, but because of all the, the, the ways we can stay connected and what we can know about each other and share about each other. Um, I really still feel very connected to those people. So Brett, let me just say the teachable moment and then we'll, we'll move to the last part, but those smaller businesses that are listening to this, that you're working 110% of your time and you've farmed out your social media to some low-level person who's in the company, if you didn't hear what John said, I, I just want to repeat, he largely said you got to focus on 
uh, making enough connections. So if you follow, if you looked at people on LinkedIn and found them, so that means you have to go to LinkedIn. You can't have somebody else do it. <laughs> if they're posting stuff about their family and other things on Facebook, it's just one more piece of information that you have the next time you interact. Oh, it's yep. brilliant. I, um, just to reinforce what you both said, uh, I've got a full plate, like, like a lot of, uh, business owners and, and, uh, innovators, creators. And, um, I reach out to, uh, I won't give the number here because I don't want to set the bar too high for people that won't do it. But, um, I reach out to people every day on LinkedIn and, and I often get the comment or I hear the comment among small businesses that will say, yeah, I tried LinkedIn and, just didn't really see the value. And I go, well, Microsoft saw the value at about 26 billion. What do they know that I don't know? And so I do exactly what you said, John. I'll reach out and connect digitally and I'll bring that into a Zoom or a Skype call or even a face-to-face meeting if I'm in the area. And I build the most phenomenal relationships from that. And so it's kind of the reverse of, like you said, the chamber and the evolution is now I reach out digitally first and bring them into the inner circle. Yeah. And it's so quick and so effective. I think the thing people need to focus on is, um, is regardless of your number being uh, maybe a larger number, I think a lot of people look at those platforms and think, well, I, you know, I can have 5,000 connections. Well, you, how many can you really maintain? <laughs> uh, exactly. how, many, how many does it make sense to even tr- you know, try to maintain? And so I've, I've been preaching now for quite some time, you know, think smaller and deeper. Yeah. Yeah. And my model is a little bit different. We're, we're a social network. So we want to gather the masses. But at the same time, what happens, like if I reach out, and I'll go ahead and just say it now. I reach out to 50 people a day. It takes me 19, 14 to 19 minutes with a personal message to someone I'm not even connected to. And what, where I, where the filter is, is in the response. If they're in the game, I get a response. And then yeah. those responses become people that I bring into my network. And so it's a, uh, things can be done so much quicker, uh, today through those methods. And then I, I know we're running out of time. So I, I have another question. I, I I'm really excited to ask you on another show, hopefully. Yeah, this was, this actually was great. Um, I, I'll, I'll share my uh, aha moment. And then what I'll do, John, is I'll, I'll let you wrap up. If there's uh, any question, so be prepped, uh, any question that um, we should have asked that we didn't and, and how do people reach out to you? And, and my aha moment, just once again, on the social media side, there are people I'm connected to that I've never met in person, but I've interacted with them on LinkedIn or Facebook or Twitter, uh, mostly on Facebook and Twitter. I'm sorry, Facebook and LinkedIn. And what it actually does when we first meet each other in person, it transforms the handshake into a hug. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I will say, though, you know, we've been talking about how you can do this all with technology, but I still nothing nothing beats real life, too, in, in my opinion, still. So go to those conferences, you know, make a you know, make it a, a point to, you know, attend to something, attend some event where, you know, some folks uh, that you have or would like to have a relationship with are going to be because uh, you can. Uh, as you said, you can do a ton with this digital uh, uh, handshake, uh, but boy, uh, nothing beats, uh, you know, kind of real life spending time with people. Beautiful. Thanks, John. And so what question should, by the way, that was a great point too. Uh, is there a question that we should have asked that we didn't, or how would you like to wrap up? And then of course, how do people reach out to you? Well, 
So the thing you didn't ask me is what my favorite movie is. And, uh, you know, I was kind of hoping you would. I'm not sure why I didn't think about asking that question. So please. It's Ferris Bueller's Day Off um, oh, is my Bueller, favorite. Bueller, Bueller. All of you young folks, go, you know, go Google that. Uh, but it, uh, <laughs> no, I, actually, I think that's a timeless classic. But one of the things I love about it, you know, the whole premise of the thing is, you know, life moves a little f- fast. If you don't slow down, you, know, you might miss it. And uh, I think that's, uh, in fact, that's the opening line uh, from the movie. But uh, uh, I've always loved that movie for that reason. And so it, it just seems like a great, uh, great message uh, to leave your audience with. Beautiful. And how do people reach out to you? So the easiest way is really just duct tape marketing.com. And that's D-U-C-T-T-A-P-E marketing.com. And uh, we've got contact way to contact us there, but also just, uh, you know, plug into our podcast or newsletter or, you know, blog. Uh, I, I've, I've over, a little over 4,000 blog posts and 500 uh, episodes of my podcast. So there's got to be something there that uh, will interest you. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> How about you, Brett? What, uh, what, uh, how would you summarize this? Well, first of all, I'd like to say I like this John Jans guy. Yeah. I mean, wow. Uh, that's, there's a lot of riches in, in that short conversation. So kudos. Um, one thing we didn't talk about in teachable moments that I'd love for people to think about is consider the concept of mastermind, uh, which is all about teachability. It's about bringing people like John and Mitchell together and, and, uh, being able to collaborate on ideas and, and evolve and move forward. So, um, just being aware and mindful of that as, as all of us continue to grow. Amen. Yeah. And, and there are a lot of online techniques and some really, it is basically taking a much smaller community of people who are like-minded and then elevating all of you far beyond where you were before. And yep. Brett, how do people reach out to you? Uh, well, my, my email is brett, B-R-E-T-T, at weavoglobal.com, or you can just visit the site at weavoglobal.com. Beautiful. And, and John, I have to tell you that my, my son, who, by the way, uh, also likes Ferris Bueller and tried his best to emulate Ferris for quite some time, also made my duct tape wallet. Nice. Um, you know, as you could tell. Um, a, a big fan of Deadpool and the product. Um, and, uh, so I, I love this. I, you got me continually thinking about ideas and thoughts and, and potentially even thinking about how do we, how do we either change the, the focus of this book or, or create another one because customer delight, it might be time for customer delight. I, I still think we need to, te- we need to focus on teachable moments, but, the, the, if you listen to this show and watch and, and even look at what John has been able to do as a successful marketer for 28 years, by definition, he's morphing with technology, always focus on the customer. And that's beautiful. Uh, for me, go to ahathat.com. If you decide to write a book at ahathat.com slash author, there's a submission section. Uh, and when you submit your book, just say, Hey, Mitchell told me, and you could say this, Mitchell told me to look at the submission and give direct feedback. And my team will make sure I get involved and, and help you be successful because my job, my goal, I live. I'm alive and I have joy and I live for aha moments. And I want you to share yours and be successful at what you do. And so if I could help you in any way, uh, I'd love to do that. Um, so go to ahavat.com and look at the emails there or feel free to connect to me on social. And maybe we'll have the hug when we see each other for the first time. Uh, Brilliant. John, Brett. 
thank you so much for a lively, informative, fun uh, conversation on Thought Leader Life. And thank all of you guys for watching and listening to us. And we'll see you at the next episode. Take care. Bye now. This is Mitchell Levy, the AHA guy from AHA That. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thought Leader Life, where I'm joined by one of our thought leadership co-hosts to create compelling thought leadership that will propel their status in their industry. To learn more about Thought Leader Life, go to thoughtleaderlife.com. And to learn more about creating and sharing your aha moments, go to ahathat.com slash author, where you can also find a link to book a strategy call. You've been listening to C-Suite Radio. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.